0: Here's your host, Dr. Melissa Saydorf.
1: Well, welcome back, Rural Scoop listeners. I'm really excited because we have just come off of the Arizona Rural School Association's uh, annual conference where we had our top 10 finalists for Teacher of the Year for 2023. And so Ty and I have an opportunity to talk to this year's top 10 And I'm really excited about today's guest because I know that she has some really great stories that she's going to be able to share from her rural community here in Arizona. Um, As as you know, the Arizona Rural Schools Association does select uh, a teacher of the year for the association. And uh, Jeremy, who is the teacher that we're going to be talking to today, was one of those top 10 finalists. So I'm really excited to be able to to, uh, learn more about her community, and her background. But before I do that, I want to make sure that I have a chance to introduce my co-host, Ty White. Uh, Ty is a chemistry teacher out of Wilcox, and uh, he's done a lot of other really cool things besides uh, being a chemistry teacher. So, Ty, uh, say hello and introduce yourself.
2: Welcome, everybody. Glad to join you again. I hope you're joining us again, like I say, or else we might have some new first-time listeners, because I know Aguila is going to join us and support celebrating this teacher. I know that they're very proud of all the teachers they send up to ARSA for the year yearly conference. Um, like Melissa said, I teach in Wilcox, Arizona, a small rural town in the southeast corner. I teach chemistry. This year I'll be teaching math. And it's been a wonderful few years for me. I'm really privileged to get to join Melissa. And with that, I'm going to hand it off and introduce our top 10 finalists. Jeremy, would you tell us a little bit about yourself?
3: Uh, so hi, everybody. I am Jeremy Cobaribus-Gallardo, and I've been in the scene since 2005. So my 18 years of experience as an educator are filled with wonderful memories of growth and learning. So I am still learning. I just finished my master's degree in English. And now I am after a few months of, of graduating from my master's degree, I am again studying my PhD in English as well. So I am very much in love with with language and culture. So that's my major. English is my major. So my thesis in my master's degree is about how cross linguistic, how children with different languages are affecting the way they read and understand what they read. And so for my PhD dissertation, I'm also learning how language is, is different when it comes to cultural competence. So that's my my major focus of my dissertation. So I am Jeremy and I'm enjoying life as a teacher.
2: Very nice. That's exciting stuff. Uh, you need to be the next JR Tolkien, right? That's a, a literary masterpiece. So Jeremy, when did you realize you wanted to be a teacher? How would you describe that process of becoming a teacher?
3: So backstory, I studied in a public school for, from since I was preschool until I was in sixth grade. So after sixth grade, when I was about to do middle school, I was given an academic scholarship for my high school in, a, in an exclusive private school in, in the Philippines. So in a Montessori school. And it's a brand new experience. And transferring to a public from a public school to a an exclusive private school is was really difficult. But I had that teacher, I had an English teacher. Because when I when if, if children that in the Philippines, if you came from a public school, your are lang- there's a, a very big language barrier. So if and then if you're studying in an exclusive Private school children there speak lang- their English language very fluently. So, but then I had that English teacher that would tell me, "No, it's okay. As long as you're pushing through the the barriers of learning, as long as you work hard, then you can keep your scholarship for five years." I was a scholar in high school for five years, from seventh grade to eleventh grade, and and i was so inspired by that english teacher and i was like i want to make that same difference but i i was thinking to myself i'd be a journalist i'd write and make a difference but then i my grandmother taught me that you know what the best group of people that would be having the greatest influence on, on other others especially children are actually teachers and if you're a teacher you can also write and be a journalist and I was like so I did my English major degree I majored in English and I'm trying to make a difference through writing for my co-teachers and for children as well so that's that's here I am after how many years I'm still teaching so so Jeremy you
1: you indicated that you you're from the Philippines. Uh-huh. Manila in particular is where yes. you grew up. So big yes. city very yes. different from where you ended up here in Arizona in Aguila. yes and uh, that rural school community is um something that m- might have been a bit of an adjustment. Maybe you had to uh, figure out how to navigate rural. Uh, when you got over here to to take the position that you're you're in with the Aguila School District, why did you decide to teach in a rural setting? What's good about being rural?
3: I believe that in a rural setting, it's more it's more family. It feels like family. It feels like home. So it's there's a sense of, of community. so if if you're in a big city, in a big city school, I feel like it's there's still a family but it's more connected when you're in a rural school like the different the different like the firefighting the firefighters and then the sheriff's office we all work together there are activities that we do together as a team so we reach out to them and there was one activity that i was doing with my students in science and engineering and the students were supposed to create a robot that will help the firefighters um, search and rescue operations and it's part of their curriculum and I asked um, Dr. Wanamaker our superintendent if I can ask a real firefighter to talk to the children and they actually came out to my classroom so that sense of community really how the children are really supported and that it takes a whole community to raise up a child, a, a whole a whole group of people, different education from from the police department, from the fire station, from the medical fields. We all work together to provide the children the maximum kind of education that they need. So I like that about a rural school.
2: So is it fair to say that you taught in Manila before you came to Aguila?
3: Yes. So I've been teaching in the Philippines since 2005. So about. 14 years, 14 to 13, uh, 13 to 14 years before I came to the Philippines, uh, to the U.S., yes, <laughs> to Aguila, yes.
2: So then you've been in Aguila for about four years.
3: Yes, about four, um, almost five years. So I came here 2019. Well, Teaching in a rural setting has some unique challenges
1: and mm-hmm. um, also some Unique opportunities. Um, what are some of the challenges that you've in, you've encountered as a rural teacher, and how have you overcome those challenges?
3: I I think one challenge that I've encountered would be providing adequate teaching materials, especially manipulatives, to the children. So, but I am grateful because I've as I've mentioned, you know, you have the help and the the support that, that every, any teacher can, can think of in a rural school, and I'm grateful. And so I, I am a STEM fellow, also from Arizona State University, from ASU. Mm-hmm. And that fellowship has given me a chance to to acquire materials for my students. And the school, actually, I am, one of my projects is to come up with a STEAM room so I included arts, and I asked Dr. Wanmaker if I can borrow one of the of the rooms so I can have my own maker space, and I was provided with that. So I am grateful that, in spite of those challenges, those um, lack of, of financial support, there are means to get if you really want to. So,
1: yeah, good point, and and it sounds like. You're becoming familiar with the assets in your community, so that you can tap into them as you need them.
3: Yes, I agree, and it's I'm amazed on how willing they are to help and reach out to the teachers and the students. I'm very grateful.
2: It's it's nice to hear you that you are also a fellow um, ASAP. Yeah, uh, a co fellow. What do you say?
3: <laughs> yeah, co fellow. Yes,
2: it's a, it's an exciting program. Yes. So one of the things that we talk about on here is that in rural schools, a lot of times teachers wear different hats. They have a lot of different roles. I know you just told us that you're in charge of building a STEAM space. Can you tell us more about that and any of the other activities that you do at your school?
3: It's it's funny and and wonderful that you say that, you know, teachers wear different hats. Sometimes we're moms and educators and then, you know, we're nannies or what. Everything. We're caregivers. But um, in Aguila, I also um, am the, aside from being the self contained teacher, I'm uh, the student council sponsor. So I'm also in charge of the student discipline. I'm a principal designee. And also, I mentor new teachers in our school. So I do that also. I'm in charge of mentorship. And so Different activities, so also Christmas program. I also help out, and then field days. So, and I think it, in a rural community, in a rural setting, in a rural school, it's you're you're a lot. I always say there's a lot of of and or to your name, and mm-hmm. and it's so difficult to say no. So like, you know, oh, we need help. So even if, oh, that's not my expertise. Like, for example, with the STEM fellowship, I am an English major, as I've mentioned. And since I'm a self-contained teacher, I can't say, oh, I'm an English major. I realize and I learned from the STEM fellowship, there's no such thing. That, you know, if you're a teacher, you're an all-subject major. Because you have to learn for the children. So... I'm all those hats. <laughs> I learned that. Such a good point. Any interest in uh,
1: going down the road of administration? Do you want to be a principal? Sounds like you're you're setting
3: yourself up for a lot of good, <laughs> good experience in that realm. I enjoy learning, so that's one thing that I and I enjoy helping people, especially if I need if I need to or if they need me. So if there came a point. That I am asked. I probably will, but I am more of also interested in curriculum and instruction. I love, I enjoy not, yeah, love also. I enjoy writing curriculum, a different, for a differentiated curriculum for different learners or for different kinds of learners. I am a big fan of differentiated instruction and I've said language and culture. So I love to write. So I believe I'm more of on the writing side. Of administration, if I can mm-hmm. say that. So,
1: let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. So, Jeremy, you talked about how the community of of your of your rural school um, district feels like home, mm-hmm. and um, uh, one of the things that Ty and I talk to teachers about is the expression, the rural advantage. And certainly what you're talking about could definitely be considered part of that rural advantage. But what other opportunities does that imply to you, that term rural
3: advantage? I believe that it, it's also on what kind of students that we have. It's such fun to be part of their growth. To be able to see how their faces would light up when you give them experiences and that that really expose them to different kinds of, of learning. So they'll feel like, especially for me, I came from a different country, and they've they will ask you, like, how, how do you say this in Filipino? Or how are the students in the Philippines? And I also taught in an international school in the Philippines. So even when I was in the Philippines, I would, I had students who are Korean, Japanese, Americans, and British, and they would ask me. And that's, I think, a real advantage because they still have that awe and wonder. They have Mm -hmm. that awe and wonder and they feel like, oh, I want to learn more. And that sense of bringing out of their comfort zone and actually making them be curious of the world outside of our rural community, it gives me hope also as an educator that, you know, even in our small rural schools, we can have teachers, doctors, lawyers coming from our small community. And that makes me proud as an educator. Well said. Thank you.
2: That's a great answer. I always get a lot of joy out of the way people answer that question. <laughs> um. From your teaching experience, uh, like, I know you got this question. I can't wait to hear how you answered it. What is one of your proudest moments as a teacher? What's something that really made you say, like, you know, this was the right profession for me?
3: So I had students who would come from different backgrounds. I think my proudest moment as a teacher and as a person, actually, would be when they come to you and you've forgotten the name of that kid already. I was like, huh? Because I've taught in three schools, and now four. You're in in Aguila, and you'd be like, okay, where where did I teach this this child again? And they would come to you and say, Miss, um, I was a Missus Cobarubias Miss Cobarubias that time when I was not married yet. But that child would say, Hey, I'm a lawyer now. And remember when you told me that even if my being, my be, am I wanting to always talk in class? well, I can be a lawyer someday because I really talk back to you so greatly. <laughs> and I would be like, really? I said Yes, and now I'm really a lawyer from a very big firm in the Philippines. And that would be my proudest moment when you have those children and come back to you and say, I did this because somebody believed in me. And I had one child who is already in... France and, and Paris and she's already a designer for celebrities and she told me that, you know, you believed in me when I had really low grades and, I, and I, you told me to focus on what I am really good at and I was good in drawing and she's now designing dresses and different kinds of outfits for celebrities and it makes me proud as a teacher that these kids, I was part of their growth I was part of that, hey, I can do this. I thought I couldn't, but I can't because you said I can. So that's my aha moment. And I'm excited to have that also here in our rural school because these kids, we give them hope and then they strive and thrive and they become successful.
1: That's such a great thing when you know that you have had that kind of influence and impact and you may not know until years later, which is the fun part of it, too, when they come back.
3: Yes. And you forget, you forget like, Oh, I said that, or, Oh, I did that. (laughs) And it's amazing. And then that's really amazing.
2: You know, I think it's one of the challenging parts, especially since you're an elementary teacher. Mm -hmm. If I'm a carpenter and I build a house, I get to drive past it next week and say, I did that. (laughs) You have to wait years to get that kind of feedback and hope that your paths cross. So you can get that kind of feedback. Mm
1: -hmm. So Jeremy, um, I'm sure it's not a surprise that there have been um, issues around educating in rural communities. And uh, some of them are longstanding and some of them are newer. But really, what is what is the challenge that keeps you up at night that rural teachers and rural schools face? And um, if you could solve it, how would you solve it?
3: So I, I, I think I have two. So the first one would be on character education. So for me, though, it's very easy. It's very easy to to build character and grit in the children in a small, in a rural school, especially if it's a small community. Because most of the time, especially in Nagila, we sing the same song when it comes to character building. So everybody is concerned that the child would grow as a responsible individual, we have our character accounts and, you know, we have our pillars and we talk about character and we model it as much as possible as we can. And I think that's one thing that that we are, I am proud of that we're doing in Aguila, that we are building children off character because, well, for me personally, as a teacher, I believe that if a if a child has the potential but without character, then the potential will go to waste. But then if the heart is already molded, then learning would come and academics would follow. And the second one would be English language learning. So we are, our our student population are English, mostly English language learners. And we do our best to have the right curricula for our children, for the students and in my classroom, I focus really on differentiated instruction and intentional classroom instruction that they really can benefit from, and aligning it with real-world applications so that they will really see, oh, this is how I use the different parts of speech or mm-hmm. science learning. And what I'm really grateful with learning and really because fin- I finish a a course on teaching of science. And I'm really amazed on how you can apply science and to to the teaching of English language learners and they can really enjoy, they really understand what it's for. So those are the two things. Yeah, that's great.
1: And I agree. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so what would you tell future educators that are thinking about teaching? Or about teaching in a rural setting, how would you attract them to our rural schools?
3: Um, The same way that I was attracted, I think it's really on if your passion is to reach out to kids, no matter what cultural background or no matter what um, social background that they have, then you are in for a fun experience as a teacher, as an educator when you teach in a rural school because these kids are the kids in a rural school are very passionate when you are able to draw out of them that passion that they want to learn and they want to do great things in the future when they get older. So I think teaching in a rural school, it's a challenge also, but it's an exciting part of being a teacher because you really have to find that that how to, to that way to bring out, to be able to bring out in the children they're wanting to succeed in life, to give them hope, to be better people of society in the future. Mm. Jeremy, is there anything that you would like to share that we haven't talked about? Um, I think I would be speaking more to the rural children of Aguila and the rest of, of the U.S. And I think that, if if you are studying or in a rural school, then don't be discouraged. You continue and there are teachers, great teachers out there that are willing to help you out. There are great rural school teachers who are willing to bring the best out of you and so that you can be good citizens of this country. Yeah, that's it. I love that.
2: That's great.
1: Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Really appreciate getting an opportunity to hear about your students and your community and your story of how you
3: came to be a rural teacher. Yes. Thank you so much for this opportunity
0: as well. Thank you so much for listening to The Rural Scoop. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, or even leave us a comment. And be sure to follow on Twitter at Dr. Sadorf. that's D-R underscore S-A-D-O-R-F, so that you never miss a new release. You can also check out previous episodes of The Scoop wherever you get your podcasts. Production support for The Rural Scoop is provided by Chattanooga Podcast Studios. Find out more at chattanoogapodcaststudios.com. See you next time for more great discussions about rural education. Proud member of the Podnooga Network.